Learning happens everywhere all the time. Hey there and welcome to the Homeschool Success Podcast. I am your host, Cami Wanis, the Freedom Scholar. My experience as a veteran homeschool mom, former public high school teacher, and mentor to homeschool families everywhere, along with periodic guests, will help you to create the homeschool experience you always wanted and your family deserves. Homeschooling is a leap of faith that can cause doubts, overwhelm, and uncertainty while trying to keep love of learning high and balance life, work, and kids. Each episode is packed with the strategies, tips, activity ideas, and resources you need to ensure your kids get a great education, create close family relationships, become good leaders, and have tons of fun. You'll learn everything from scheduling, curriculum, routines, and homeschooling multiple ages to increasing love of learning and everything in between. This podcast is different from anything else out there by also focusing on the thinking shifts that are the key to homeschooling successfully. Whether you're new to homeschooling or a seasoned veteran, make sure to subscribe so you'll gain the practical strategies and confidence you need to develop a rich love of learning culture and environment that results in passionate, lifelong learners. More than ever before, leaders are needed who have a great education and who use their unique talents and gifts to make this world better. Join me on my mission to raise our next generation of leaders through ensuring your family has a supportive and inspiring homeschool journey. Homeschooling is learning through life. You got this. Hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome. We are so excited to have with us today Meryl Vandermerva, and I hope I said that right. And all right, we are super excited because we are talking about how to have contests and competition. We all know healthy competition is a good thing, healthy competition, right? But we also know that having those things where there's an outside audience, I talk about that a lot, especially when I was teaching in public school for seven years, high school English, I did everything I could when I was doing project-based learning, which is so amazing, you guys. I did everything I could to make every project an outside audience because it's so much more meaningful when you do that. Not only does it have real world application, but it also makes you perform better. It makes you do more and know you have someone else looking at it than your teacher, your parent, your whatever, right? So that's what's so exciting. We're going to talk way more about this because Merle is so amazing. She has developed all kinds of amazing resources. She has in her own academy where she brings in guest teachers and she does contests and stuff. She's also raised four children through homeschooling and got them all into college and like really like succeeded in using these contests and competitions to help them not only perform better and deepen their academic learning, but also in making them look good, right? <laughs> we got to make them look good so they can get scholarships. They can get, you know, look, look on transcripts and get college applications, even job applications, you know, and, and anywhere you're using a transcript for sometimes people might ask for, 
for bank loans or for military, anywhere you're using those transcripts, those can make you stand out. And so these are some ways you can do that. I'm so excited. And we have a lot to talk about today because this is something that a lot of people don't think about, especially with homeschooling. I know in school, public school, we have contests that just come up and things that teachers present to our students all the time, but we don't necessarily take advantage of them as homeschoolers. And I know that there's a lot of writing contests. We always talk about the poetry contests that come up in poetry month in April, but we don't talk about the kind of the other things that are out there. And there's so many, so many wonderful things. I know some of you are really into robotics and like battle bots and all that stuff. And there are competitions for that too, but there's lots of different ways for you to get involved. And so I'm super excited because Merle and I, she actually reached out to me, which I'm so grateful for because <laughs> I, she is so much knowledge and so much experience that I could never even begin to bring to you guys except to bring her to you. So I'm super excited about that. So Merle, you have such a great background. Can you please tell us just a little bit about yourself and just, you know, your homeschooling and your, you know, what you're up to and how you use, like, we'll talk more about the con the content specific contest later, but how you kind of just got into using contests and, and competitions in general. Yeah, so you can hear from my accent that I am not American. <laughs> well, I am American. I have my American citizenship now, but uh, I actually come from South Africa and we moved when my children were between the ages of three and 12, or kind of three and almost 13. And we were not planning to homeschool. Uh, back in South Africa, the older three were all in school, one in a public school and two in private school, and one was too little. Uh, I have, by the way, a degree in English and German, um, just my bachelor's degree. I say that because you'll understand why when you hear about some of the contests, just so that you are not intimidated. I have nothing fancy behind my name. Anyway, we came to the US and we arrived in January, which was the middle of, of course, your school year. But for us, it was the end. We just finished my children in South Africa. It's a calendar year. And so we were just treading water, homeschooling until the fall. Well, that's what we thought we were doing. <laughs> Turns out that we started to investigate um, where we live, your zone for a school. And we started looking at the schools we were zoned for um, and discovered that they weren't very academically challenging. And if the school wasn't going to be challenging, I could tell you my sons were going to be challenging. <laughs> so we realized maybe we need to consider homeschooling. Plus, we were homeschooling just for those months because I realized I couldn't do you know, you can't just stop. And between January and August, uh, that wouldn't be good. <laughs> so we were doing things and I was just teaching them what I thought was the basics. Um, and we discovered our, the, the, the church, um, one of the local churches has a huge, big homeschooling group. We started going to that, discovered all these opportunities for homeschoolers. And my kids decided they wanted to stay homeschooling. And so I became a homeschool mom. And from there, I started, I uh, needed a Spanish teacher, looked for a co, well, I found a co-op, discovered co-ops like that. And I was just literally learning as I was going. And bearing in mind, I had a, a my older child was going into eighth grade, <laughs> down to my younger, my, my younger of my sons was going into third grade. And then I still had the little one. So I've done the whole you know, four kids at a time, one who's not homeschooling yet because she's too little and is irritated because we're busy. You know, so I have literally been through all that and uh, figured it out and started teaching at our, our local homeschool co-op, 
because I needed to pay for my all the things my kids wanted to do there and discovered a love of teaching. And along the way, I was teaching programming. And it was hard to do in a, co in a co-op because you had one child who immediately knew what was going on. Another child wanted to make lots of noises. Somebody had no idea. And I thought this would work better online. And so I took that online. And that was the beginning of Funder Funder Academy where I teach. And I now have a lot of other teachers too. And so that was the beginning of my homeschooling group. But in the meantime, I got involved with my homeschooling business. I got involved in our local homeschool the group at you know under our church and my first thing was they were doing GOB and spelling bee and I said well how about some other contests because my daughter had done a math contest back in South Africa and they said well nobody would want to do math contests but if I wanted to try I could so I'm never daunted so I was like okay so I started offering um, AMC 8 and other people joined in and I had enough people to be able to pay for the contest and that's how we kind of started on the contest and I kept doing them. You asked me why I did them, because my children needed that external uh, validation of what they were doing. Although they enjoyed homeschooling, you know, at school, the teacher would tell them, you did a great job. Somehow coming from me, that was not very exciting. And even as a school teacher, you were doing it. You were trying to make it so that other people could see what they were doing. Well, you know, as a homeschool mom, you know, you, you wonder why you're children perhaps don't want to put their best in when you're the only one that's going to look at it. And so <laughs> that really applied to my children, particularly my, my older daughter is very focused. So she probably would have done her best or close to it, but not so much the boys. And I knew if they were put into a position where they were going to compete, that was going to fire them up when they knew somebody else was going to look at it. And that's why I started looking out for every competition that I could find. I love that. And yeah, again, even in public school was the same way, especially in public school where it, they had an audience outside themselves. It was going to make a difference in the quality of their work and the fact that they even completed it at all would be something in particular, yeah. especially when we have the uh, middle schoolers come up and do a poetry convention where they would have stations and they would, the kids would move around between different stations and they would teach teach different things and and have activities for the middle schoolers and it was absolutely incredible to see them perform on such a higher level than they would have if it was just us in our classroom doing different stations or presenting to the class or something it really makes a difference it makes them work harder and then it also gives them an opportunity for them to gain more skills and i really really love that so we kind of talked about some ideas in terms of how it can help homeschoolers in an outside audience and then making them look good. But what do you think about as far as make also making them learn more real life skills, not just academic skills? And then also how does it make them look good on paper? Okay. So first of all, some of the real life skills um, that you're going to learn, depending on the contest, there's going to just be different skills. So sometimes um, those skills are things like research, which is both real life because your job might depend on it, and it's an academic skill. It's also how to... Um, how to put yourself in front of a judge in a way. So like looking at the rubrics, it's looking at what is required from you and giving that. If you're wanting to win, uh, you know, I, I, like I teach speech and my kids then that my speech kids enter speech competitions. And I always say to them, you can choose to be controversial in your speech topics, but that could hurt you. 
you've got to think about who your audience is if you want to win. This is perhaps not the moment to be standing on your soapbox for something you believe strongly in. And you just got to understand that. And that's like everything in life, which doesn't mean you don't have your own opinions, etc. But you've got to pick your moments and you've got to know what you're trying to achieve. And if you're trying to achieve a win in a speech competition, choose something that you do believe in, but that other people might as well. You know? And so it's looking at how to succeed. And I think that's one of the things I've taught my own children. When I say my own children, this is not just my own personal children. I have a lot of children now with all the ones that I, I teach and I coach because I still am very involved in competitions with homeschoolers is, you know, look and see what is it that the judges are after. And this is useful because one day your judge isn't going to be a contest judge. They're going to be a um, potential boss, you know, when you're going for a job interview or perhaps even just interviewing to get a, you know, a place in an apartment or, um, you know, a scholarship, whatever it is to be able to stand back and see what are these people looking for and how can I present that? That's one skill. Another skill is learning how to win and how to lose. It's, Life is like that. You know, you're not going to just always win um, unless you're some kind of child prodigy. Well, mine definitely didn't win everything. And the times when they didn't win, you know, it was those times saying, hey, did you go and congratulate the winners? Um, you know, make sure that if, if they're around and they know that and they can, they go and congratulate them. And, you know, it's a time for looking and saying, why did I not win? And sometimes it's just because somebody else is just better and more talented. And to understand that that is that is life. There's typically someone better than us at just about everything, you know, unless you're Simone Biles. But the rest of us, we have our limitations. And that's okay. We're all human. And being able to accept that, that I can't always win, I can try my best, and that might still not be good enough. But realizing how much you have learned in the process, that's a big takeaway to realize that it's it sounds cliche, but it's not always all about winning. But sometimes that journey there is also important. So, you know, but learning to win well, when you do win, not to be gloating and to understand that somebody else is disappointed. And that's also when you lose, you remember that, you know, I try and teach the kids to hold that memory. So the time when they win, they look around and realize everybody else did it. And, and learning some compassion. So, you know, and realizing that, that they need those, those skills going through life because we're going to have wins, we're going to have losses. And when we lose, to dust ourselves off and pick ourselves up and go for the next job interview, try the next competition. And my kids literally, we had the next competition in two weeks' time, most of the time. I, I incorporated it in. We did a lot, a lot of competitions. And... I sometimes I could incorporate them into the school and we would have overlap as much as I could. Sometimes we couldn't. Some they put more effort into and some they didn't. But because it was just from one to the next, I'm like, okay, better luck next time. And we moved straight on so that, you know, the disappointment wasn't huge because there was something else I needed to work on. I feel like that's a lot in terms of the parents' pressure and reaction to that as well and how you frame it. If Correct. you're framing it as something as let, let's just try this and see how it works and uh -huh. versus this is the thing that's going to get us to something better. There is never, right. There is never one thing that's going to get you into a college or into a job or into anything else. And, you know, the very process of doing it, you're learning skills and you're learning about yourself. So, you know, you you might come away from a competition and your child goes, huh. 
I wonder if I'd listened to you and done that piece of re extra research, or I wonder if I'd done this. And that's where as a parent, you don't kind of come hard on them and say to them, yes, just listen to me in the next time. Or, you know, you, you don't want to say it's all your fault. Let your child stop and think about it. Be there, be their support and say, well, you know, you tried. And if they say, yeah, I didn't put enough effort in, say, yeah, you're probably right. But, you know, you've learned and next time you can try again. And that's the other thing is, I see so many times people trying once and they don't win and they don't come back. I remember the first time the one competition called Science Olympia that I do, um, it's a team competition that I do, that I still coach today. The very first time we competed, we didn't know what we were doing. We actually managed to win some medals, but there were a lot of local schools that came. So we didn't win the whole thing overall. We didn't make it, we didn't do well enough to get through to the state competition or anything. But we just assumed we'd come back next year. And I was shocked to discover most of the other schools did not return. They just didn't come back. And I was like, why? Because you didn't win, so then you don't come back? And I'm like, no, now we have more of an idea. Now we come back and we do better. And so we have. And sometimes we, we have won the whole state now occasionally, but we don't always. And the times we don't, we're like, okay, next year is another year and we come back and we try again. Um, but that mentality like, well, we didn't win this competition, so therefore we're not doing it again, teaches your child that we only do things if we can win and there's no value in it. And we also don't try and learn from our mistakes. Whereas rather coming back and going, okay, now what did the judges say? Because generally you have some kind of feedback or you have some idea as to what's not gone right. And so you take that and you try again. And sometimes you'll find there are um, ways you can get extra information. Maybe they've got online training resources or whatever. And then you delve a little bit more into it and you keep trying. And, you know, you, every time you do a little bit better, you realize, okay, we're starting to get there. And I'm just extremely persistent. So as a the parent and a coach, I just kind of kept going and kept looking at everything until I have figured these things out. And then I'll say, okay, I think I figured this competition out. This is what they're looking for. That is such a huge, huge, it almost gives me goosebumps just to think about what a lesson that is. The lesson of failure, the lesson of getting back up, that is such a lesson that is not taught enough today and is needed because we don't let our kids fail. We don't let our kids do that. It reminds me of when my son went to summer camp the first time with his scout troop and he or it wasn't summer camp. It was just a camp out, I think, for, oh, for a weekend. And it was three days he came back and he hadn't, he hadn't taken a shower, which I don't. I don't remember if they had showers then, but he hadn't taken a shower, which was okay, whatever. But he hadn't brushed his teeth the entire time <laughs> there. And he hadn't drank enough water, right? So you know what happens. And so he was so, he got out of the car. He was, oh my gosh, so filthy. And he says, I just want to brush my teeth right now. <laughs> and he, he says, boy, I learned some real big lessons on that one. <laughs> he learned what happens when you don't brush your teeth. He learned what happens when you don't, you know, take care, you do the certain things. And that's so huge. I think that's such a massive, massive lesson there. Not to mention, like you were talking about before with just the, the, 
the goal setting and the coming back and saying, I'm going to improve the next time and next time and next time. And saying that, yes, we do get back up and then we grow. And growing past where you're at is everything. And knowing how to do that is a success principle unlike any other, really. It doesn't get you past the wall if you don't grow past it, right? It doesn't get you past it. So, you know, I was just thinking about also is some of the other skills that in when I was doing project-based learning, I know I really, really focused on was things like, and even in my son's Lego competitions, he does Lego robotics with my, my husband mm -hmm. teaches Lego robotics in middle school. And he does this county Lego robotics challenge. And so every year, and he does it by himself because he doesn't have a team, but he learns so much in, in team building when he mm -hmm. and teamwork when he goes there and all the other kids are helping each other out he's helping the, right. the other kids with their robots and they're helping him and it's mm -hmm. so amazing but there are other skills like critical thinking and yes and when things go wrong i mean critical thinking my, my boys my one son did lego league and i coached a lego league team so yes that's particularly a good one I mean, when things go wrong, you know, when your robot that has been working at every practice suddenly doesn't, suddenly doesn't pick up that thing it's meant to pick up. And that's where it's staying calm and, and you're using critical thinking. As you say, all the ones that have teams, it's great for learning teamwork. Uh, so mine were sometimes ind individual and sometimes team, you know, they, we did a mixture of things. Uh, it's, it's just, and you know, when things go wrong and then you figure it out in time or the lessons you learn, those are good things to use for your college essays too. Oh, good tip. So many of the students that I know have used competitions and what they have learned in the actual, uh, just, I was just doing a, a recommendation letter for a high, for a senior recently. And, um, I, it was actually, it was his national merit. And so I actually got everything and I had to check it all and I had to be the, like, send it all in for him. And that's what he'd written about. He'd written about science Olympiad. Uh, so it's, it does afford students, you know, whether it's that or another competition, something to write about, including when things go wrong. You know, what people are looking for aren't a whole lot of perfect people, but for looking at somebody who, when things don't work out, you can critical use critical thinking you can problem solve you've got grit you've got determination you will persevere and you'll keep trying those are the people that you're going to give a scholarship to those are the people you're going to give a spot at university to those are the people you're going to hire and you know you can't learn those lessons by just sitting at home and not being out there and involved and trying and failing Absolutely. And there are so many contests out there from writing to science to, like you said, math and everything in between. What ones do you think are, I hate to say the best ones because there's not really a best ones, but what ones should we look for in terms of really great experiences and then ones that also kind of really look good too? Okay, so my ultimate favorite is Science Olympiad. Science Olympiad, <laughs> everybody's heard yeah. of And bear in mind, this is go back to remember what I did my degree in. I have a bachelor's degree in English and German. Okay, my favorite competition is Science Olympiad. <laughs> yeah, so I am the head coach, have been since the start. 
and the only science I ever did at university, because in South Africa, you don't have to do gen eds, was computer science. So, and my team has four times now won our state championship. Now I have, it's not just me. I have a bunch of other coaches. I, over the years, I've enlisted a whole lot of other people. Some of them also though, have zero knowledge, sort of background in the different events they coach. And um, we just muddle along and teach the kids we're not spoon feeding them they have to learn for themselves now it's just it's a team competition i have an entire podcast episode on it so that's you can find my podcast homeschoolingwithtechnology.com um and i just did one on science olympia so i'm not going to go into too much detail apart from that gonna have to 15 people on a team the students pick different events so it's a little like um, first Lego in the fact that not everybody does the exact same thing but it's very defined it's not like there where you may you may be creating the, uh, you know, doing the programming and building the robot and doing a little bit of research. Whereas here, it's like you pick your events and you can do up to six events. And some are building, some are studying, some are hybrid. Um, but homeschoolers can participate in all states. And it's really does teach a lot of problem solving. It's it teaches, it, it's hard. It teaches the kids to struggle through, but it's incredibly rewarding. And there are a number of homeschool teams. So you may actually have one in your own state, um, but you may just need to start one like I did. And as I said, I have no background in science and I just got started and got going. So that's a good one. And it's also good on um, college applications. Um, my oldest son went to Stanford and he said almost everybody at Stanford had done Science Olympiad. So um, the college admissions counselors know what that is. So that is one of them that they know. Uh, Probably from your days, the Scholastic is another one, Scholastic Arts and what do they call it now? Arts and whatever, because there's also some little bit of programming things in that one as well. My older daughter did, she was a gold key um, award winner in for um, film, uh, she created a film for Scholastic, but it's got it's, it's arts and writing. It's right, so there's arts, there's writing, there's a whole lot of different things. So that one, there's no money involved in winning in Science Olympiad. There isn't either, but it's another one that's well known and it has quite a lot of variety in it. Uh, there are a lot of math contests. Uh, AMC is the best known one. It's also pretty hard. There's an eight for younger ones and a ten and twelve for older ones. Um, stock market game is fun. You can just get a couple of people together and depending on your state, our state currently doesn't even charge, but you can have teams of sort of four or five students. Uh, they need to be the same age and you play it all online and you can do them as homeschoolers. I incorporated into like my economics class that I teach. They all play that as part of it. And part of that also then has a, an essay contest. So once you do that, you also get access to this other one called Invest Right. And I've had a number of students win. In fact, one of my students won the whole thing nationally and won like tons of money, et cetera. So sometimes there's extra ones. National History Day is another big one that I really love. Don't know if your school did that, but it's from sixth grade through 12th grade. And you can you investigate, you pick a topic based on a theme. So the one year my daughter did it was triumph and tragedy. And you then pick anything in history that'll fit with that and do your research and present it as a paper, a drama, website, a exhibit board, and a movie. I think those are them. And apart from the paper, all of them can be done as a group project or an individual. So you can do it with a friend. So again, you get that group work coming in. 
so and um, homeschool is a very successful uh, again there were many in our actual state that got through to to nationals and it's really fun if you get through um three of my four kids my oldest one i hadn't figured it out yet <laughs> she didn't make it to nationals all my other three did and uh they all actually, it's my one son didn't actually go and compete, but his partner did. He was busy doing something else, but I went with my youngest and you go to DC and you get to, you know, do a lot of like fun things, you know, while you're there and then you compete and none of mine placed anywhere though. There were some homeschoolers. I think they did actually place, obviously you're now up against the best of the best, but they did win some money in state. Um, along the way. So that is one you can win. There are bowl events. If your kids like trivia, look around to see what's local because that there isn't something specific to everywhere. But uh, I coach a quiz bowl team. We have a televised one in our area. So in fact, on Monday, we'll be taping our first round game. And if we, if we win, we keep going. And then we're doing another competition just in about two weeks. So there's like local contests that you can go and be part of. We're the only homeschool team in our area but we've been doing it for ages. Everybody knows us. I know that there are the science bowl, which is similar, but it's, it's just focused on science. And again, we have somebody else coaches that there's also, I think it's like ocean bowl. Uh, I know that's out West coast. So it's your part of the world. There's ocean bowls. And I know homeschool teams that have done that. So that's just a case of like investigating a bit. Sometimes they're middle school ones, but most of them are high school. Um, obviously, you have spelling bee, which is the younger age. Um, I'm not a big fan <laughs> of spelling bee. It's too boring, but my kids did it. Um, then there's speaking competitions. There's the Optimist Club. You do have to find a sponsoring club. Now, I do it through our, our um, my speech class that I teach, our co-op. We actually sponsor that. Well, we like have the competition there and then they move on. And we've had a number that have won that at state level. I've gone all the way up and there's money, quite a lot of money in that. They also have a, an essay competition. So you can look in uh, to do that one if you perhaps you can't, you don't have any way you can participate. Then there's Voice of Democracy. They have two. One is uh, the high school one is called Voice of Democracy and it's Veterans of Foreign Wars. You record a speech and... I think you email it into them now. I know one of my students has just done it and she said everything just changed and she, they didn't, well, at least our local one had changed how they were doing it. And fortunately she did it in enough time because they came back and said, oh, no, 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 you can't do it like this. You've got to do it somewhere different. So I just know that they've somewhat changed since my kids were doing it, but I still have students who are competing in that. And she placed last year in it, I know. Um, so she'd gone back to try and do better this year. And then the middle school one is called Patriot's Pen and it's a writing one. Um, and again, you just have to find, and it's quite easy if you go onto that site, it shows you like, which is your, the closest place that actually will sponsor it and your kids write and send it in. And my younger daughter won a lot of money through that. She ended up placing somewhere at state level, but there was sort of various levels and prizes just came out of the woodwork. So we also did 4-H, which is another way of doing it. A lot of life skills there. 4-H has lots and lots of competitions as part of it. Um, we, you can't possibly do them all, but we did quite a lot of those. And again, my kids were pretty successful and they had speech competitions and everything else kind of wrapped up into it. Um, and one of the things that, you know, another cliche that one hears and says, winners keep on winning. And it's true. And I think it's part of it is you learn how to present things in a way that's the judges can understand. And it's just that even doing science Olympiad, a lot of what we teach our kids, you know, we say, look, when you walk into that test, you know what you know. 
you know, you can't suddenly get any more knowledge. So once you're in there, you've got to maximize it. So the first thing is write legibly, <laughs> which, yeah. The next thing we'll tell them is like, you know, if you can, say, for instance, have headings, if you're asked to like write an essay about a topic, put headings, underline them. If they say five, you know, give us five things that you can identify this type of fossil by or something, write one point, two point, three point, don't write a paragraph. You want the person that the person grading it is grading a lot. They want you, you just want them to look down and immediately see you've given everything. You know, so it's like, it's always make it clear. Like in National History Day, they always want to know the so what. So what, you know, if you've, you know, you saying, you know, this and this and this was pivotal. Well, so what? How has it actually improved and, you know, changed matters? They want that continuity, what came before, what came afterwards. And you want to make it super clear. You don't want them to have to dig to actually find that information. It's got to be really, really obvious. Um, and so you're always trying to present things well. And this is really helpful because, again, you know, when you're doing a resume or whatever you're doing, these are all very similar skills that you're trying to use. Um, you know, and your kids are learning that as as they're competing and realizing why they are doing what perhaps somebody else has done better. Even on their transcripts, right? Even when we're preparing right. transcripts and everything, we want them to be very clear. That's why I always say, you know, use the language that you would normally see on a transcript because that way the colleges don't have to exactly don't. I know I see that so often in homeschool groups where you see parents trying to be creative or whatever else, but it's like, how are the schools presenting it? Just do it the same way so that exactly, exactly, so that it looks normal. And, and that uh, whole idea about the audience is so important because there's so <laughs> much in terms of if you're presenting anything, you're trying to get a client, you're trying to, you know, present a marketing technique, you're trying to do any, whenever you're speaking to someone in public, just in general, one-on-one, you have to know your audience, right? Discernment. That discernment is so key to know what to leave in, what to leave out, and how to organize it in a way that makes sense to that person and using the vocabulary that's appropriate for that particular audience is so, so important. I know I've learned that so much in the last few years having business and marketing, you know, and just really trying to capture the voice of the audience is so, so important. And I know that you have all of these contests in a list. So tell us about the list that you have and, and your special opt-in for that. Okay. So I, I have created over the years, um, a PDF that lists a whole lot of these contests and it's still kind of in progress, <laughs> but I realized when I was doing this, I was like, okay, so my virtual assistant went through, checked everything up, deleted the ones that don't work anymore. So it's, it's up to date as of yesterday. <laughs> and, um, she even in included one extra that I knew about since then. Um, and so, yes, uh, we will be putting the link beneath this and you will be able to grab it. At, it's an opt-in to my newsletter for Funder Funder, which I do, we you know we do give other contests that we know about, you know, we, we mentioned those there. Um, and I hopefully, it's a once a month newsletter. It's, I don't have time for more than that. So we try and, you know, tell you what's new in Funder Funder. Um, and I, by the way, incorporate contests into quite a lot of the classes I teach. There's even a, um, like a Twitter contest for, I've forgotten now which one of them is. Oh, it's some, yeah, it's it's one of it's I mean my computer applications class. I remember it's something to do with 
some kind of computer skill that you have to just kind of distill it down. And I have a Jane Austen class. There's a Jane Austen competition. Wow. So you know, all of these are in my list because I say I, I've got these over 25 in the list that you can opt, in, opt into at the moment. But um, we'll have that link there. And as I said, it's just a once a month newsletter. And I think I do give, you know, useful links and fun stuff we found. So it's it's not like you're going to get a, a daily email from me. I don't spam you because I don't have the time. Absolutely. You know, and Merle is such a great resource, you guys. I would take advantage of anything that she offers. And and this is such an opportunity to have a list of ones that you can just pull from and just go straight to. What what a great ease it is for us to use something like that. And then um, also, I want to make sure that if you're watching it live, if you're watching this live, you will be able to get it in the comments. Um, it, or if you're watching it on YouTube, it will be or on the podcast, it'll be in the show notes. So make sure that you guys check that stuff out. And you haven't told us yet about your Funda Funda Academy and um, and other ways we can reach you. We know you have a podcast as well. So just share with us a little bit about how we can get a hold of you. Okay, so um, start off with just Funda Funda Academy. And Funda Funda means study, study in Zulu, but obviously, which is one of the, the um, languages from South Africa, but obviously it sounds like fun. And my whole thing is learning should be fun. And once learning is uh, fun, students remember it. So we try and find a funder to stay away from textbooks and tests as much as possible. Some of the teachers feel they do need some testing because they want to make sure the students are ready to take higher level classes at, at college. I have none in any of my classes. Um, so it's very much more interactive. And that whole idea of wanting to share what you're doing, I do, the students often do projects and they post them and they look at each other. So it's like show and tell. So that at least the class is, is, is seeing what's happening. And every now and again, we have some, you know, students do particularly well and I ask their permission and I will share it in our Facebook groups. So it's, uh, our classes are asynchronous. And we try and make them, um, it depends on you know, each teacher, a different style, but mine are very much using tech and, you know, trying to make it fun and engaging, but still rigorous and in-depth. Uh, and so, you know, there's actual learning. Um, we do have a contest, which I just realized uh, recently <laughs> when I was thinking about what we we're talking about today. Um, it's for high schoolers called the High School Challenge. It used to be just over the summer, but I've changed it to being uh, over... Uh, the whole year now and it's really a college prep class and we offer $150 in prize money to the student who does the most of the different challenges it's basically a lot of different assignments they keep track of the score as to how they do each of them everything from learning where to find scholarships to how to outline your college essay um, to how to choose a, a college you know all the things you need to consider note-taking skills, everything basically to help you get into college, to um, do well in college, to afford college, all those different pieces. And we find resources and we've pulled them all together. And as your children go through it, they can also win money. So it, it does cost, uh, right now it's $25. I was meant to have raised it to 75 at the beginning of the month and I forgot. So I'm going to leave it till the end of October. Just so those of you listening in, if you want to take advantage of it, uh, whether your child even doesn't compete. There's also I have five sponsors who also offer $25 or $50 um, on specific assignments, whoever does the best will get that as well. So basically six people will probably win either money or an Amazon gift card. So it's, again, you know, your child, it's things you really want your child to do, but this might be dangling the carrot because I love contests on how to create one. 
Um, so I also have Facebook groups. I have one for my podcast, the Homeschooling with Technology community. Then there is Homeschooling Middle School and there's Homeschooling College Bound teen, Teens in the podcast, um, which is Homeschooling with Technology. And that's pretty much all the different places. And you can find me on Instagram at Fund of Fund Education and the same at Facebook. I love Funda Funda. That name is, it does sound fun. <laughs> it's super. That's the idea. It's like, yes, we want to learn. We want our kids, you know, we want to encourage deeper thinking. We want to encourage. So, you know, but it doesn't have to be boring. You don't just have to be reading a textbook or listening to somebody lecture for 40 minutes. I mean, you're a classroom teacher. Kids do not have the concentration span just to sit and listen. So I try and, you know, and we try and do that in our classes, break things up into shorter pieces. Right. So that... It's, you know, and that you need your children to be involved in their learning. Learning doesn't come from just sitting and listening to a lecture. So, you know, when I do have students listen to a video, they've either got something they're filling out or they're um, creating their own notes or they're doing something. It's never just a now watch this video mm-hmm. because they won't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Merle. It has been absolutely exciting. And I know that I've learned a lot. I'm sure audience has to, has too. And I know you guys are all wanting to get all the information from her. She'll put that in the comments after we are done here today. And I am super excited to start more. I'm inspired as well to start more competitions with my son. I know I do get him out of his comfort zone in that way. We have done a few writing contests and things like that in the Lego robotics, but I'm inspired to do more now. I wanted, I want to see about creating more in our area and doing, doing that for our community. So you guys can really create that kind of stuff and just, it takes a little bit out of your comfort zone sometimes, but really just creating that for the homeschoolers in your area, whether you are already connected with them or not, you can totally connect with people in all different places because there are homeschoolers everywhere now. So (laughs) it's a lot, a lot of fun to be able to get together and do these kinds of projects. So Thank you so much, Merle. I know that we'll be connecting together in the future again and working together more. I hope you have an amazing day, you guys, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye. If you're loving this information and want to connect with Cami live, join our Facebook group, the Freedom Scholar Homeschooling Community. Every Thursday in Live with Cami, you can get more great homeschool tips, how-tos, and resources, and get your questions answered. And subscribe to our newsletter to get your free ebook, Creating Educational Harmony in Your Home. See show notes for the links. Hope to see you live. This is an informational podcast. The information presented in each episode is the most recent and honest to the best of the presenter's ability. Results are not guaranteed. This podcast aims to educate and there are no guarantees of results implied. Listeners are encouraged to seek out and meet their local homeschool requirements. Any products, websites, and company names mentioned in this podcast are their respective owner's trademarks or copyright properties. The presenter is not associated or affiliated with them in any way unless otherwise stated. Nor does the referred product, website, or company necessarily sponsor, endorse, or approve this podcast. We hope you enjoy and find value in each episode. This content is copyrighted and not authorized for reproduction.